Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Dorothy Pomerantz from Forbes, Apple Insider's Daniel Aaron Dilger, and Rob Pegarero, a USA Today columnist. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have Dorothy Pomerantz, who covers the business end of the entertainment industry for Forbes. And we're going to talk about in this segment the big mergers of these telecom and cable companies that are coming forth and what they may impact the industry like. So, for example, recently, Dorothy, we had the announcement that Comcast is buying Time Warner Cable. So, Mm -hmm. what is the fallout from that so far? The biggest fallout that we're seeing from the proposed Comcast Time Warner cable merger is this latest deal with AT&T buying DirecTV. Okay, so this is going to be like a domino effect then? I don't know about that because there's not that many big companies that can make these kinds of purchases. Okay, so we have Charlie Ergen over at Dish Network. Didn't he once want to buy one of the wireless carriers? Well, he wanted to buy DirecTV at one point. Right. He's, he's very ambitious, but um, he didn't have the money to compete with this bid from AT&T. Well, certainly, but he also was interested in getting Sprint at one time, right? I believe he was. I'm not 100% sure about that. All right. Well, anyway, let's look at this in more detail. So go back to the beginning with Comcast and Time Warner. Why does Comcast want to buy Time Warner? Comcast is more than just a cable company. They sure. own an enormous amount of, you know, not to be jargony, but content providers. So they own NBC and Universal. Um, they own some sports teams. They control content and they control pipes. But because of the way that the cable system works, where cable companies have territories, there's only so big that they can get in terms of getting more customers without buying another company. They're buying Time Warner because this will give them about 30 million customers. You know, that starts to give them such a giant footprint that it really does give them new powers to negotiate deals, to control how things work on broadband. It, it gives them a lot of power. You wonder also about the conflict here, the fact that specifically with Comcast, They've got NBC, they've got this, obviously the Sci-Fi Channel, USA Network, all those various channels are part of the bundle. They've got Universal Pictures. There's a lot of potential conflict here, isn't there, when a cable company and a broadband provider also owns the content? Absolutely. Um, but I think from a regulatory point of view, red flags put up when Comcast bought NBC and you, uh, bought Universal which gave them all of the content that you just mentioned. So, you know, that was definitely a really tricky situation. And I think a lot of people had a lot of concerns about it, but it went through. When you look at it, Comcast buying Time Warner, it's much harder to make an argument that that's a deal that shouldn't go through because they don't compete in any region. So they're technically not competitors right now. It doesn't act actually limit competition any more than it's already limited. So we're looking there in a situation where basically 
They're going into areas where they can't say there's an antitrust consideration because they simply expand the markets for the combined company. They don't basically just impact them in any other way. But okay, let's take a look, for example, at AT&T and DirecTV. Now, AT&T does, in some parts of the country, have something called U-verse. Mm-hmm. So that's basically like your traditional telecom, phone service, broadband internet, and TV service. Correct. They offer, they offer video through U-verse. Okay, so in some areas, there is. Sure. There's, if you look at it from 30,000 feet, there is nowhere where there's not competition. Or put it another way, there is competition everywhere. No matter where you live, you can opt to use DirecTV for video. In a lot of places, you can use AT&T or Verizon, Fios as your main provider instead of using your cable company. Those competition, that competition exists. It's not very robust competition. So, you know, Comcast has 20 million customers. Uverse has 5.7 million customers. It's not something that most people think of as a viable alternative. Well, also here, the problem with those combined systems, and I know CenturyLink has something called Prism, where as mm-hmm. soon as you combine the TV and the broadband, they're going through a copper wire to your house, aren't they? So the actual broadband speed is less, isn't it? Exactly. Um, you know, and that's just not desirable. And one of the arguments that AT&T is making of why this merger should go through is that they'll actually take the video off of those copper wires, freeing up that space for internet. And that's going to make their internet offers faster and the video offerings will move to satellite. So ultimately speaking, we expect the video offering from Uverse to just vanish. I would think that that's true. I would think that um, it will migrate over to DirecTV. I mean, from a consumer point of view, they will have to do that gradually, but that eventually that's where they want to get to. Okay, now looking from the business end, I guess you can see where AT&T solves a problem with providing TV service because they now have the entire country. Plus Mm -hmm. a company that also has subscribers in Latin America. Mm -hmm. So they get a big coverage. Does that help them also sell more wireless plans? I think that they're looking to the future. So everybody in media pretty much agrees that eventually, you know, TV is going to be TV as we know it is going to be something we consume over a broadband connection. So we watch it over the Internet. Um, that means we're going to watch it not just on our TVs, but on our tablets, and more important for AT&T, on our mobile phones. Um, so, you know, this gives them the option to be creative about those offerings going forward, to, you know, potentially strike deals with content providers where they're offering it a package of, of, of stations, you know, directly to their consumers on the phone. All right. Now, obviously, we're going to get into the net neutrality region very shortly here. Now, reading the press release from DirecTV and AT&T, they're making promises about following net neutrality and other things, but they're only three-year promises. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I was somebody who was skeptical of this, I'd say, well, what happens in the fourth, fifth, and sixth years? 
Well, I think that's a very astute observation. <laughs> and I think that, um, you know, even when we sort of, you know, both of these deals are going to have a lot of federal regulatory scrutiny. And when we look at conditions will be put on the deals if they get approved, those are going to be big parts of the conditions, uh, you know, net neutrality or not raising prices, all of all of that kind of friendly to consumer things. But as you just pointed out, they're all going to have an expiration date. So I think that these companies are, in fact, looking to uh, five, even 10 years down the line when you know, th those rules won't necessarily apply. Um, they don't have to abide by net neutrality. There's no law that says they have to offer net neutrality. In fact, they've been told specifically they do not have to. So I think that there's no doubt that down the line, that's being taken advantage of to raise prices. Okay. So if I am a direct TV customer, which I happen to be, mm -hmm. and this will progress into our next segment. So the question I'm going to ask you to think about as we prepare to do our break is, okay, I have a direct TV package. Is there any potential impact to me after this consummates, which I guess will be after a year from now, assuming it passes the regulatory hurdles and whatever. Dorothy Pomerantz is from Forbes. More to come on the other side of the Tech Night Owl Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Adam Miller here with Midas Resources. Today, May 21st, 2014, gold opened at 1288.50. A one-ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1335.40, 667.70 for a half ounce, or 333.85 for a quarter ounce. That's 1335.40, 667.70, and 333.85. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explain this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. 
But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products, most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Springtime is save big time at Herbal Healer Academy. Long-term customers know spring is the time to stock up at HerbalHealer.com. And for new customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Log on for spring specials, including our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale. Choose from Herbal Healer's great variety of weight loss products like apple cider vinegar, Hootia and Metabolic Complex, and ProMetabolic, all on sale now. Also, the Anti-Parasite Intestinal Freedom and Warwood Plus Complex, plus Stevia Liquid Sweetener and the Super Enzymes, all on sale for spring at HerbalHealer.com. As always, we offer certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on now to HerbalHealer.com and click on Spring Specials to save big with our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. From Forbes Magazine and Forbes Online, we've got Dorothy Pomerantz. She covers the entertainment industry from the business standpoint. And the main focus of our discussion this week is about the newly announced merger with AT&T and DirecTV. And the question I asked her before the break is, okay, Dorothy, as a DirecTV customer, once the deal is consummated, assuming it passes all the hurdles, how do DirecTV customers like me, how are we affected? I don't think you're going to be affected in any big way right away, except for that you're going to get a lot of ads to uh, buy AT&T phone service. You know, they don't want to disrupt your service. They're not going to raise your prices. It's going to remain status quo, at least for a while. You may get some really good deals on AT&T service because what they want to do is be able to offer a triple play bundle. So they want you to buy all of your services from AT&T. So they're going to offer you video, which you already have, and then try to get you to also take internet and phone from AT&T. They'll bundle them and give you a good price. So theoretically, that could be really good for DirecTV users. Okay, but obviously right now, AT&T broadband is only available in a limited number of areas, but they're promising to build out more gigabit internet services around the country. So I live near Phoenix. Mm -hmm. So do I see any change? They're not here yet. Will they ever be here? I mean, they're thinking big with this. They're going to have to be there at some point or else there's no point to this merger. So they have to expand the broadband. They can't just be in 
a dozen or two states. They definitely have to. They don't get the full value of buying DirecTV unless they can use it for a national footprint. Okay, well, that therefore creates the possibility of more competition, because obviously, in terms of DirecTV, the only thing that happens is Uverse doesn't offer TV, which may or may not be a problem. But I have DirecTV available, but I can also get Dish Network, I can get Cox, I can get Prism from CenturyLink. I have four options where I live. I'm mm-hmm. not without competition. For wireless, of course, I have all the various carriers. So... In terms of the person who subscribes to AT&T as a wireless carrier, mm-hmm. is that going to bring us more video content? Not in the short run. I mean, I think that, that both of the services are going to stay the same, but they will be merged as a bundled package. So they'll try to get AT&T U-verse customers to buy satellites. They'll try to get more people to buy satellites. You know, they need that triple play. And I think that your point about competition is really important because I think you're going to see Comcast and Time Warner in their arguments about the why their merger should be allowed to go through. They're going to point to this deal and say, look, this is going to be a very powerful national company that will compete with us, that will offer real and true competition in almost every market. And that's why this should be okay, because we have real competition. I think it's harder for them to make that competition argument without this combined company. So in a sense, each deal helps the other to pass the regulatory issues. Absolutely, because if Comcast Time Warner goes through, it's impossible for AT&T DirecTV to not go through. And Comcast Time Warner can use this deal to help push their case in Congress. Okay, let's look at the other cable companies. The other company that has service in my area is Cox, Mm -hmm. which is kind of what? Mid-level in terms of number of subscribers. So what does Cox do? What do all these smaller cable companies do with these big powerhouses out there? I think they either look for an acquirer or they start merging. So maybe you see Cox and Cablevision getting together. You know, the little guys sort of almost have no choice now but to try to become bigger by marrying each other. It's going to be, this isn't the end of M&A. We're going to see more. What about Sprint and T-Mobile? Do they now have to get together because of this? I have to say, I'm not as familiar with the ins and outs of the telecom world. So I, I don't really know. But I think maybe another scenario would be like Verizon buying Cox. You know, sort of those cross company mergers. All right, let's look finally at the net neutrality issue. Now, this thing with the FCC is like they're talking out both sides of their mouth. So they're saying in their proposal that you can't throttle or give people inferior performance for different service providers who might be sending something down the internet pipes, but you can still sell special connectivity packages to people like netflix Mm -hmm. so it's like everyone is equal but some people are more equal than others yeah i mean i think it basically means that you can charge people you can charge these companies to have a better connection right so therefore if i want to watch house of cards and i'm getting bad reception bad performance buffering bad speeds as people of comcast were So Netflix calls up Comcast and says, I'll tell you what, we'll pay you Mm -hmm. to get preferred connection. Now, the other issue, which is very complicated, I don't know if you want to get to it, 
this issue of peering, you know, where your local ISP is connecting to some sort of telecom company that provides the traffic from network to network, like a Cogent or a Tata Communications or something like that. I ran into a situation where my web server, the performance was throttled because CenturyLink and Cogent were fighting each other over supposed fees for excessive traffic. I mean, I think the lesson of all of that is that is that no matter what the spirit of the, the FCC decision might have been, we're living in a post-net neutrality world, and that's just the way it is. So that means the haves can get more and the have-nots, well, you just take the spoils or hope that the normal level of service is sufficient for your needs. It's hard to imagine a future of the internet that doesn't look like that, but we can hope. <laughs> Maybe it won't turn out that way. Oh, well. So your expectation here, as we get to the final portion of this segment, is, number one, Comcast and Time Warner go through with a few terms and conditions. Number two, DirecTV and AT&T go through, again, with a few terms and conditions. Yeah, I, I, I do think that we're going to see them both go through. There doesn't seem to be a tremendous amount of opposition or not enough to make these deals not go through. Um, I mean, we tend to sort of err on the side of free enterprise. And if companies are saying, we're going to make this better for the consumer, and there's not really any hard evidence that that's not going to happen, then the government is going to okay it. Well, there was always an emerger some kind of overlap in something so people lose their jobs regardless. Right, but the government has never not allowed a merger because some people were going to lose their jobs. So I figure, for example, like in terms of billing and all that kind of stuff, there will be people who may not be working for AT&T or DirecTV or Time Warner. Well, some people hate Time Warner. We won't go into that. (laughs) Dorothy Pomerantz, tell our listeners where they can find more of the things you write about. Uh, find me on Forbes.com. That's where it goes. And once again, she covers the business end of the entertainment industry. Dorothy Pomerantz, thanks you for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you. Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love 
end your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the Total Transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free. Limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. That's 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your Major credit or debit card. Call 1 855 905 MyTV. 1 855 905 MyTV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1 855 905 MyTV. 1 855 905 MyTV. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of HB extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit hbextract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. We're joined by Daniel Aaron Dilger. He's from Roughly Drafted Magazine and also AppleInsider.com. And as we record this, there is a story at Apple Insider that Daniel didn't write but might have heard about, where Google admits it may place ads on thermostats, glasses, car dashboards, and refrigerators. Are they serious? Well, yes, that's their business model, is putting ads on things. In fact, that's the only thing they've been able to do. They've made a lot of noise about future things and jetpacks and, and self-driving cars, but they haven't outlined how they're going to make any money on that. The only thing they've ever made any money on is putting ads on the web. Interestingly, what this revelation came from wasn't Google telling the world, we're going to put ads on things. It was the SEC saying, 
we want you and Twitter and other companies to provide more information to investors about how much of your revenue comes from mobile. And Google said, no, 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 we can't give you any of that information because we're going to be putting ads on all these other things and we don't, you know, don't want to give away too much information. So what they were really doing was obscuring the fact that they do not want to tell anyone how much money they make from Android. And there's a good reason for that because they don't make any money from Android. All their money comes from putting ads on the web. Okay, but the big thing here is if they're not making money from Android, what about the ads? Are there enough ads specifically based on use of Android devices that pay for it? Well, if you look at what Google has been successful at over the last decade, is they made a lot of money from putting ads on the web. And it's not just putting ads on the web because they don't make their money from banner ads. They make their money from paid search. So they're monetized search in a really, really good way. So that when people are searching for things, they're most likely to be looking for something. Anyone who does marketing or, or any sort of sales knows that when someone is walking into your store to buy something, they, that's the hottest prospect you have. You can show them, you can direct them right to what you want to sell them. If someone's walking down the street and you run up to them, it's very difficult for you to try to get them to buy something because they're not in, a, in an interest to buy something. And if somebody walks into a library and they want to read a book and you said, hey, you know, do you want to buy a sandwich? No, I want to read a book. But if somebody is going onto the web and they're searching for, you know, I want to buy a car or I want, you know, looking into wedding photographers or whatever, Google can say, here, here's information. Here's information we've been paid to give you. Here's our paid search link. You can click it and it's, it was, you know, a lot of people, they're searching, they want to find that information. So it's worked out really well and they've got a lot of money for that. Now, there is an issue, though. A lot of these advertisers are not being vetted. So we assume most of the advertisers you find in the paid search links are honest. But a fair number aren't. Oh, a tremendous amount of the ads Google's putting on the web are completely garbage. They're spam. Google is monetizing spam web pages and fraudulent advertising. And Google is even, I mean, they pled guilty to putting up drug ads on sites that they knew that they shouldn't have been <laughs> advertising to Americans to, you know, go to foreign pharmacies to buy drugs that are illegal. And they paid a lot of fines for doing that. But, I mean, what, what they're saying, I mean, what they're talking about putting ads on things is a diversion away from having to tell investors that they're not making money on mobile because people don't search Google for mobile. They go on and, and use apps. That's, you know, Steve Jobs pointed that out years ago. But the idea that they could put, I mean, come on, you're going to put a Nest thermostat in your house and, you know, what, what sort of monetization are you going to get by putting ads on something like that? It's just ridiculous. We assume you're buying the product. You're paying a normal, fair price for that product. It's not cheap. It's, what, $250 for a Nest thermostat and something less for their fire alarm warning device. All right, if you're paying a fair price, it's like you buy an iPhone, you don't expect to be inundated with ads on this product. I mean, if you go on an iPhone, you go to a site that has ads, that's fine. But if you're just using a retail product that you bought or a refrigerator or a TV set, you don't expect to see ads. If you're going to see ads, they might as well give you the discount. There are some cheap people that you see on internet online making comments all the time that do have this idea that if there were ads on things, things could be cheaper. And that sounds plausible. But in reality, we haven't seen that to be the case. There's been a lot of attempts to create cheaper hardware via ads. And 
you know, Microsoft was doing partnering with a handheld video game company that they were going to sell their device for this much. And if you put ads on it, it would be, you know, significantly cheaper. Amazon tried to do the same thing with Kindle. That didn't work out. People are not really super interested in having ads on their stuff in the real world. There are some cases where it does work out, you know, it, but it has a very limited benefit. I was reading about transit agencies. You know, they wrap buses with advertising things. They don't really get that much money from it. They're happy to do it because they don't. They see that it's not really a, a big problem. You know, sure, go ahead and wrap a bus and give us some money for it. But it doesn't contribute a huge amount of revenue. It's not like it, it runs the bus company. Well, for example, if I go on a New York subway, and of course they've had ads there for years, I know that the fee I pay to take that ride is not really being seriously impacted by that. But let me go back to one thing about the Google ads. Now, based on the last financial statement, which kind of disappointed Wall Street, the amount of money that Google is getting for paid clicks is not as much as it used to be. It used to be, I think, I guess the way it works now still, is you actually bid to get good placement for your ads. So the higher you pay for the click per click, the more, in theory, the more presence you get on Google because it gets a higher rating. But the amount of money people are paying for those ads now, the amount of money being bid on them is now less. Is that correct? Yeah, the, the value, I mean, the value of anything is scarcity. So if you just have ads everywhere, then they become less and less valuable. So, I mean, if you, if you open up a newspaper and there's just nothing but ads, you're not going to want to read it. And you're not going to pay any attention to any specific ad on the page. Whereas if you go to somewhere and there's, you know, like a clear sponsorship of it, or um, if you're watching television and, you know, there's an ad that you're sitting through, there's some value there. But if you're, if you're just undated, if the, if the TV is just full of six different ads playing at the same time, obviously they're going to be worth less. I mean, to the point where it's almost worthless because people are just tuning it all out. And the thing with the web is that how much more ads can Google put on the web? There are already pages that are just covered in ads. And there's not an infinite market for people wanting to put messages out there. And that's why you're seeing, um, you know, outside of the top tier information sites, the kind of ads that Google puts on other sites. If you look at like smaller blogs or, um, I mean, increasingly almost everything, the kind of ads that they put on are embarrassing. I mean, they're, they're junk. I was looking at, I mean, I, I did a screen cap and put it in a story. I was, I was in San Jose and the, the main paper there, the Mercury news had, had a, ad in one of their stories was some serious story about what was, what was happening in the tech industry. And here's this huge ad for a mail order bride. And I was just like, what is this junk? I mean, Google is just shoving garbage onto its, onto its clients' web pages. And how could anyone possibly be making money on this kind of spam garbage? It's, this is the same kind of thing that, that Microsoft was doing in the 90s when, you know, Windows 98 came out and they were just trying to force as much advertising as they possibly could into the desktop and users hated it. And Google is now replicating the same thing. If you remember, you know, around 2000, I can't remember when Google first came out, but Google's big thing, the reason why it was 
novel and different and people were liking it is because instead of the bouncing animated garbage ads that, that Microsoft and Yahoo are just dumping on the web, Google's ads were kind of like sophisticated and text and simple. So you see this little ad and it's like, oh, here's something I might be interested in. You know what? We'll be interested in this kind of ad in just a moment. We have to do our break right now. But we have Daniel Aaron Dilger. You can find his stuff over at appleinsider.com. More to come on the Tech Night Out Live. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right, General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right, that's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows you can't afford to wait so call 866-91-STEEL lock in your price now call 866-91-STEEL that's 866-917-8335 americans have always been ready to defend to serve and to honor those who defended and are defending all of us so this month the freeze dry guy honors and serves americans with our meat rice and potato sale our unit includes four number 10 cans of quality mountain house cooked diced beef ground beef diced chicken white rice and two cans of fdg dehydrated diced potatoes 158 servings per case unit and during the freeze dry guys meat rice and potato sale get one case for only 179 two cases for only 355 or get three cases for only 515 and all come with lots of valuable freebies for details click freezedryguy.com and hurry sale ends soon go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663 that's 866-404-FOOD plus free shipping to the lower 48 states from the freeze dry guy the finest freeze dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage 
Hi, I'm Dr. Lorraine Hurley, and I've got news for you. In 2009, a team of doctors won the Nobel Prize in Physiology for discovering that the ends of chromosomes are protected by coverings called telomeres that control cellular aging. Immortalium nutritionally helps extend the lifespan of telomeres and is the most advanced anti-aging supplement to date. Healthy cell growth depends on healthy chromosomes, and healthy chromosomes depend on telomeres. Call 855-315-8326. That's 855-315-8326. Or visit drhurley.net. Hi, I'm Dr. Lorraine Hurley, here to tell you about an amazing pain relief formula. Unlike Tylenol, Advil, or Ibuprofen, Lividity Pain Relief Formula is completely non-toxic and actually stimulates healing. Lividity Pain Relief comes in a gel or capsule, and in my years of helping people, I've never seen anything like it. After rubbing a small amount on an aching muscle or a sore joint, many people report the pain is gone within a minute. Call 855-315-8326. That's 855-315-8326. Or visit drhurley.net for more information. you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. We're talking about Google and how it monetizes what it does. And so far, its only real success has been from paid advertising. And if advertisers bid less, then Google either has to sell more ads, which is difficult, or their income goes down. Are we in the right direction there? Well, the the problem that Google's having with the desktop is that people aren't using the desktop and increasingly, it's, you know, it's a plateauing market. The desktop PC is actually retracting for the first time in, in the history of computers. And people are increasingly moving mobile. They're using smartphones, they're using tablets, well, they're using iPads. And the advertising on those devices is different, in part because you have a smaller screen. So Google is trying to figure out what to do. And one of the things that they're doing is working to to put ads and videos and things like that. And a lot of people are trying to figure out how to do that. And I've noticed you know, YouTube is a great way to find a lot of things on the web video, but it's becoming increasingly frustrating to try and watch anything on YouTube because you, you click on something to watch on YouTube and there's this ad that comes on before. And in in some cases you can skip it after a few seconds, but, um, it's annoying. And a lot of other companies are trying to do the same thing. Media companies where you you're watching a, maybe a one minute ad on the web or a one minute video a news clip or something. And there's this big, long introduction advertisement that's like 30 seconds. Which and is in order insane. to see the content. This is true yeah, with CNN. Insane. This is true with a lot of big sites. In order to see the video that you want to see, you have to put up with the ad first. And if you think about television and the proportion of advertising to content, it's been maintained, you know, what you watch an hour of video or hour of radio, and there might be what, um, I suppose you would probably know better. What is that? 10 minutes of advertising? Oh, uh, more. Okay. For example, a one hour TV show is 43 minutes of actual content. Okay. And that's not unusual. It's not unusual for it to be 25% or more. So per hour of the tech night out live, the percentage of advertising is roughly 25%. Now, people criticize us for that, but this is 
a show that is heard on traditional radio. And that's how it's worked. And that's how it's worked for many years. But for example, with TV, you have two ways to avoid the ads. One is to fast forward through them. And you can do that by first using your DVR to record the show and watch it later. The other choice is to buy the TV show later on from one of these services like iTunes, pay a few dollars or something and get the raw 43-minute version. Of course, when you do that, you kind of realize how artistically they have to adjust the show in anticipation of the ads. So you might have some kind of cliffhanger. There's a car crash. Cut to commercial. After the car crash, you see the aftermath, that kind of thing. So television and radio have kind of grown up around this concept, like you're saying. It's, you know, around a quarter of the time you're watching, sitting through an ad. When you sit and watch a three-minute video and it's introduced by a minute-long ad, that's a totally different proportion. That's too much advertising. And when you click on something on the web, you expect to see quite immediately what you're looking for. If you click on a link and you go to a website and they start showing you an ad, more often than not, people are going to say, screw this. You just close the window and you don't even go to the content. Well, one thing I see that bothers me and we've avoided it, you go to a site to an article and as soon as the article appears, suddenly there is an ad that comes up in like a JavaScript. It overwhelms the page, which grays out. And yes. to get away from the ad, you've got to click a large X box. Now, I understand why they want to monetize the sites. I respect that. But it annoys me, and we're not going to do it here. Yeah, they call it interstitial advertising, where yeah, you click on a page. Even sometimes when you're navigating across a page, it like flips up this thing or comes like paints over the display. And that's something that people do not like. And to think that Google is going to be able to just like waltz from you know, it's past into a future, being able to just slap ads on things. I don't think that's sustainable. Well, I certainly wouldn't want to buy a Nest thermostat and see advertising. Now with Google Glass, you're paying $1,500 for this extended beta test of Google Glass. Do you see ads in it? Well, I mean, that's what they're supposed to be doing eventually. I, I, I think their $1,500 product is they're trying to sell a prototype. They're supposed to eventually come down. But even so, I mean, yeah, if, if people are paying hundreds of dollars for kind of a toy, it's kind of like the segue, you know, it's kind of like something's going to appeal to nerds and then people in very specific sort of situations where, you know, a worker might have be wearing Google Glass to, to navigate something while they're doing work. In that case, how are you going to put ads on it? You know, that's kind of stupid. I think Google Glass is, the, you know, one of the silliest products that Google has done, and Google has done nothing but silly products so far. Now, this is a point here. Google has tried to move away from the ad-centric thing and hasn't done well. The most notorious example was buying Motorola Mobility for, what, over $12 billion. They had to sell it at a fire sale price, about a quarter of that, send it off to Lenovo. And at the same time, maybe you can explain this, Apple and Google reach some sort of out-of-court agreement where they're not going to sue each other anymore over anything involving Motorola mobility and their patents. Well, that was really overhyped. But I mean, really, the situation is Google's getting rid of Motorola. So it makes no sense for, for Apple and Google to be wasting any time on, on lawsuits for a company that Google doesn't have anymore. The only reason Apple is suing companies like Samsung is to get them to stop using 
specific features that are from that are patented on the iPhone. They're not suing for money. They're not trying to get money out of Samsung. When you look yeah, at the coverage, the it's all about so the ridiculous. money as if Apple needs their billion dollars. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, I mean, Apple is saying, hey, don't use this. Don't use this. This is ours. We developed it. Don't copy it. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to stop people from, from ripping off the iPhone so that they have a product that's unique. Motorola technically sued Apple first, but it was because Apple knew, they knew Apple was going to sue them. That was before Google bought the company. And Google has worked since buying Motorola to you know defend quotation marks motorola from this um and in motorola's case the case was largely sidelined for two years there's a couple things first of all google is not going to be selling motorola phones anymore because they're getting rid of motorola secondly google never made any money on motorola phones so what is google what would apple even be able to sue for motorola only lost billions of dollars for google so Apple can't even sue for lost profits like, like it can Samsung. So, I mean, the whole idea of Apple suing Google at this point is just kind of ridiculous. There's no benefit to Apple, and it achieves nothing. So, of course, they're going to say, let's, yeah, let's get rid of all these cases that don't make any sense anymore. And I, I don't understand how the media is turning this around. I mean, a couple, Bloomberg was reporting that Apple and Samsung were you know, over two. And it's like, do you even read? I mean, it's just stupid. The, the reporters are just so fantastically stupid. It's just frustrating to, to see that the state of tech journalism is so terrible. You know, right? well, here's an interesting thing. There was a story in the Korea Times, South Korean publication, that's where Samsung is from, claiming Apple and Samsung were sitting down to negotiate. The next day, Apple... And Samsung report to Judge Coe in the Northern California Federal Court that they tried to reach a settlement once again in talks between the two companies and failed. So that article ended up looking foolish. And finally, the Korea Times takes it back, implying it's Apple's fault. Yeah, I mean, that was their, their thing all along was that trying to say that Apple wasn't cooperating. I mean, that's, that's you know, most of the reports that newspapers publish are based on PR giving them a story. It's actually rewritten press releases. Yeah, they don't go out and like find things. A company says, hey, we want you to say this, and they say, okay, and they write that. So when, when people read news, you, know, you have to keep in mind that this news was probably not written by a reporter, it was written by a company to make you feel a certain way about them or some other company. It's a regurgitated press release. They take the press release they write a few paragraphs around it, quote portions of the press release. And if you read it, you think, well, gee, they covered this story. They maybe interviewed somebody. And even the quotes are really paragraphs taken from the press release. And it's about every company, whether it's Microsoft, Apple, whether it's a government leader or something, a lot of this coverage is simply to regurgitate, rewrite, and sometimes not rewrite the press release. We don't do that here. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger joining us. More to come on the Tech Night Owl Live. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. 
Henry Ford once said, a man who stops advertising to save money is like a man who stops a clock to save time. Alex Castle here, the national account executive at GCN. I have the ability to customize a national radio campaign based on your budget while targeting your demographic. Contact me to find out how national radio can help your business be more profitable at 877-996-4327, extension 177. That's 877-996-4327, extension 177, and help me help you bring your business to the next level. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Question. Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terraganics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM-1 from Terraganics. Life's getting better. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. All right, so we're looking at the coverage of the hope for settlement between Apple and Samsung. But it's not as if Apple has refused to settle. I mean, over the years, They've made settlements with Microsoft. They've reached agreements. Creative Labs over iPod-related technology, they reached an agreement. They reached agreements with HTC, with Nokia. Apple and Microsoft may be fighting it out in the marketplace, but they're not doing any lawsuits. That's over and done with. That's gone. So it's mostly these days, now that Motorola Mobility is out of the picture, it's mostly Apple and Samsung. Yeah, and the thing that Samsung is, I mean, what Samsung is really trying to do is kind of stir up the mud to to make it less clear what's actually happening, because it's very clear what's happening. Apple is saying, hey, don't copy our smartphone, figure out your own way to do things and sell your own product. Don't just copy ours. And Samsung is trying to make it look like it's not such a cut and dried, obvious issue by saying, oh, you also, you know, you're infringing this patent that we bought or you're infringing this patent that we already licensed to the chip vendor that you're using in your the original iPhone 4, and we're, we're sending the license so that we can sue you and say that you're infringing our patents. It's, it's completely ridiculous. But they're creating this, this concept that, that Apple and Samsung are equally guilty of patent infringement, and they won in this last case by buying this patent and convincing the jury that they should get the, some small award so that they can say, oh, see, everyone's infringing. 
The thing that's different, this is true also with Motorola Mobility, the patents they do own, the ones that are significant enough to defend, are mostly what they call standards essential patents, which they have already agreed to license on fair rates, although Samsung tries to violate that every which way. Yeah, and a number of times they've used that to say that Apple was refusing to negotiate a license. So that's kind of the same thing that what you're talking about, Korea Times, is that they're trying to suggest that Apple is being this difficult company that's not wanting to work with them and wanting to keep things in the courts. When, you know, Apple doesn't have any interest in being a legal company, they want to develop products. If you talk to people at Apple, they're interested in developing products. They like developing products. They like developing hardware. And, you know, they like software to a lesser extent, but they're very much a company that wants to develop products. And the whole idea of having to take their executives away from what they're doing and take their engineers away and go to court and argue against, you know, these ridiculous claims by Samsung that says, oh, you're violating our patent that we bought after you sued us. That's a huge waste of time. And of course, they don't want to do that. And they even delayed before suing Samsung. It was, you know, quite a long period of time after Samsung delivered this, like, completely ripoff of the original Galaxy S, which was, you know, nobody could argue that that wasn't a pure ripoff of the iPhone 3GS. I mean, it was down to, like, the, the details of the charger and the box. And it was just, like, designed to look like an iPhone and, look, you know, have the same icons. And it's, everything about it was just ripped off. And Apple's saying, hey, you can't, you can't just clone our stuff. You have to come up with your own ideas. You know, that's been Samsung's business model for as long as it's been around. It's not just Apple. Understand that long time ago, they took technology from Pioneer for flat panel TVs. And by the time this thing was settled, Pioneer had been basically forced by the marketplace to give up on that product because Samsung overwhelmed them with imitations. Of course, they kind of expect to do that with Apple too, but Apple's too big and too smart. Yeah, it will be interesting. I mean, you know, the last, it was quite interesting over the last year, 2013, how well Samsung manipulated the press to just say whatever they wanted to say, even though it was just like appallingly ridiculous to come around and say that Apple wasn't, you know, Apple's not innovating. Now, I would, how, how, oh, come on. Apple's the only company that comes out with new ideas at all. And, you know, Samsung just rammed this idea down the press and they just all happily regurgitated it across the board. I mean, like, like mainstream media, Wall Street Journal, we're all saying the same line. You know, of course, the tech blogs, they don't have any particular affinity for Apple because Apple doesn't give them free stuff where Samsung does. So, of course, they're going to tell people that every generation of Android is great because they're getting free stuff from it. And if they ever pointed out that Android has a lot of very serious problems. I mean, look at look at the Nexus 7, how everyone's just fawning over that device. And for most users over the first year it was dysfunctional. It just wouldn't work. And they didn't fix the software for a year. And then it still had serious hardware problems after that. Let me tell you a story here. Let me tell you a story. Okay. So I got a Samsung Galaxy S3 from Samsung's PR agency to review this ahead of the Galaxy S4, which I also got. No problem sending it to me. In fact, they said to me, you can keep it as long as you want, as long as you add it to your own wireless plan. So we're not paying for it. Okay. No problem. 
I find a bug in the email app that comes with the product, and I report it. I hear back from a Samsung product manager who didn't understand the problem. I duplicated it. It was something really weird where in your sent email folder on any other device, any other computer, your text is duplicated if you access an IMAP account. It's confusing, difficult to explain. Let me get to the long and short of it. Okay, so the product manager says, yes, I see it now. We'll do something about it. Galaxy S4 comes, no change. Galaxy S4 has a software update, no change. I kind of suspect it's never been fixed and never will be fixed. Well, Samsung has a lot in common with Microsoft in the 90s. You know, they, their whole thing is about advertising something and selling a big batch of it and then moving on to something else and never fixing what they put out. I mean, Bill Gates kind of famously said that. It's like nobody pays for updates. Um, and if you don't really care about your product and all you care about is just marketing the next like as Samsung says, the next big thing or whatever, then, you know, yeah, why, why ever do updates if you don't desperately have to? So, yeah, they're, they're not really big on fixing existing problems. And for anyone in the tech industry, that's never been a super exciting thing. Nobody wants to do that. Everybody wants to do exciting new things so that they look like they're doing the latest exciting thing. The maintenance thing is not very, not as exciting, especially in consumer technology. Well, of course, Microsoft releases updates to their products. We can argue that maybe they're not doing it as well as they should, but they do have regular updates. Apple has regular updates, but Apple is criticized if they seem to have missed releasing the update by a few days, like a certain security update affecting SSL security in iOS and OS X. The OS X version came out about four days later. Apple got dinged for that. But the obvious argument is there have been bugs in Android for years, but they're they'll still... never be fixed. Yeah. And yet you have you know, all these people that are re- reviewing Android and just say that it's wonderful. Except for the fingerprint sensor on the Galaxy S5, which barely works, recodes. Walt Mossberg had problems getting it to work. The New York Times couldn't get it to work. What's their excuse? Well, I think Samsung, I mean, you're talking about how Microsoft kind of changed. Microsoft started kind of emulating Apple in a number of respects. Particularly, in, you know, their hardware now looks like, starting with kind of the Zune era, they started making products that look like Apple products. And they're, they're still not quite successful at it, you know, the Surface and things like that. But the way they develop things, I mean, they came out with the App Store and just everything that Apple did, they're kind of following. and. Samsung is starting to do the same thing where they're starting to fall in line from being sort of a Microsoft of the 90s into being sort of an Apple. And they're starting to get criticism because of their position. And I don't think they're going to be able to handle that criticism as well as Apple did. Because Apple has been under intense criticism for a very long time and withstood it pretty well. I mean, if you remember, just every generation of iPhone had just people freaking out about something that was, you know possibly an issue but not really the issue that they've made it out to be there is big brouhaha for example over the latest os 10 and itunes updates and we'll talk about that in a moment we have daniel aaron dilger of apple insider that's appleinsider.com i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live (laughs) 
Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realists, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30% while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should too. Find out what they know. Call us and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average over 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. Question. Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terragonics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Life's getting better. 
we'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. So we have the OS 10.9.3 update. Came out last week as you're hearing the show. And there was an iTunes update too. Together, if you have a feature, a protection feature, a security feature called Find My Mac Enabled, your user's folder on OS 10 became invisible. A screwed up permissions error, and then I think another folder became writable by anyone, which was also a security issue. It was a screwy bug in the installation. Apple fixed it the very next day, yet there was intense criticism. How could Apple be so stupid as to allow this bug to happen? Well, things happen. Apple fixed it the very next day. Whoops, we screwed up. How many other companies would do that? Yeah, I mean, pretty consistently, Apple is compared against kind of a fantasy of perfection, and everyone else is compared against, you know, not having anything at all. And so, like, when you're talking about previous generations, you know, the Samsung, when, when the Galaxy S2 and the Galaxy S3 were kind of like, this is much better than typical android products from companies that weren't copying apple quite as closely and they started getting a lot of good press up until you know i think the galaxy s4 was the first one that really hit and they they had all this tremendous fanfare for it and it was kind of supportive response to it but also starting to people were starting to get sort of critical and saying what is all this crazy you know theater that's kind of poorly done surrounding a phone that's not really that exciting doesn't really do anything amazing or novel and when the galaxy s5 came out you had people saying oh yeah remember last year when the the galaxy s4 was just full of junkware it's like no i don't remember you saying that you're saying it now but you didn't say it back then well we did of course but then who are we yeah but in general i mean the the tech media wasn't talking a lot about how the galaxy s4 was full of junk and that's starting to become an issue. And they're, they're at least acknowledging in retrospect. And the Galaxy S5 has received a lot of flack. I mean, you're talking about the, the fingerprint sensor, which... Is a swiper. You have to swipe yes. in some kind of weird way. And it basically doesn't work for most people. But here I am with the infamous Apple iPhone 5S. I put my finger on it, and the fingerprint sensor touch ID works. In fact. Apple has made it better. The original version was somewhat flaky. It's reached a point where I redid all my settings with the 7.1.1 update for iOS. And 99% of the time, my fingerprint is recognized. And that really fits into what Apple's doing with identifying. I mean, they have the capital to look around and say, what is the best technology out there? And they really did that with fingerprinting. And, you know, I, I. that was one of the subjects that I covered pretty closely. We were describing this, and, and one of the things that I was pointing out was there's not a lot of other vendors out there that do this, that have the same experience as the company that Apple bought to develop Touch ID. Uh, a lot of people were saying, oh, no, you're wrong. There's all these other companies that fingerprinting is really easy. But Samsung, which, you know, Samsung has money. They can afford to pay for a lot of things to catch up with Apple. 
they were forced to work with this company. The name escapes me. I think it starts with a V, something like that, Verity or something. But it's a different type of sensor. It's not a full print sensor that instantaneously takes an, an image when you touch it. You have to do this. It's like, the, like an old flatbed scanner where the thing has to go past your finger at a certain rate. And if you do it too slow or at a weird angle, it can't really figure it out. In other words, it's not a deliberate setup where a portion of the processor is designed strictly to use algorithms to record your fingerprint moved around a little bit so it catches it at more random angles so it's more accurate. That's what Apple does. It's kind of like the difference of taking a photo and taking a scan. Because the the five sensor, when you put your finger on it, the whole thing is instantly taking a picture of your whole fingerprint. And so it's getting a big picture all at once and it can immediately do processing on it and figure out if that's a match or not. Where with Samsung, you're having to drag your finger across this slot, basically. So it's really dependent on how fast you're doing it. And the angle makes it much more difficult for it to get the whole scan in process in the same type of speed. So it's so, a matter here so, of the only way you can make it work is to hit the sweet spot, place it properly, swipe it at the proper rhythm in the proper direction at the proper speed. And if you're just picking up the phone and you tap it at random, you can't do that. At least with touch id you could record several different configurations of your fingerprint so that however you do it you have a pretty good chance of having it recognized and also the just the the concept of being able to do it with one hand if you're holding an iphone 5 you you can touch it and unlock it with one hand whereas with samsung because you have to drag it over very at a certain speed and it has to be the right angle you basically have to hold it in one hand and do it with the other hand. So it becomes more of a you know clumsier gesture. Now, we have the HTC phone. What was it, a version of the HTC One where the fingerprint sensor was on the rear below the camera? Talk about being awkward. Didn't anybody ever test this? And that's the same question I have with Samsung. Obviously, Samsung comes out with a feature to match that in the iPhone 5S. It may have been rushed to market. But doesn't anybody at Samsung sit down in their Q&A department and say, you know what, this doesn't work, folks? Well, there's a lot of complex engineering problems to solve when you're doing this. And Apple puts a lot of work into something before they release it. And once it's released, then people, you know, try to criticize it. But if you compare it to what other people are doing, you start to realize how much work went into it. The reason why a number of companies, you know, I think it was the Motorola Atrix, which I think was 2010 came out before the iPhone 4. It had a fingerprint sensor on the back. It was a swipe type where you had to swipe it. And it's on the back of the phone, which seems kind of stupid, but then you realize where else would you put it? Would you put it on the front? And one of the problems with these fingerprint sensors is that they're fragile. They're a glass sensor device, and it actually has to make contact with your finger to be able to tell if it's like a real digit or not. There's a certain fragility to it, so Apple had to do a lot of work to figure out how to put this into the home button, which makes suddenly becomes a genius idea once you realize, oh, yeah, if you have the home button, you can just touch it and you've unlocked your phone. And you don't have to learn a new behavior or you don't have, you know, it just works. Some of the problems you have to solve is you have to put some kind of layer on top of the device because the device itself is fragile. It's an extremely high resolution scanner, essentially. And that wears out if you don't have a a lens over it. So they put this sapphire lens over the top of it. It's extremely hard. 
it allows it to hold up. And they put some metal ring around it to sense that your finger's there. So you don't have to, you know, put your finger on it and push a button or something. So there was an awful lot of thinking and development and design and, and engineering solving that they had to do to develop Touch ID. And other companies start developing their product after they see Apple do it. So then they have to kind of rush it to market. Well, one so, thing Samsung is not doing is so far rushing to market a 64-bit processor based on the ARM architecture. We'll get into more of that in a moment. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. Nation's largest independently owned and operated talk radio network, the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Americans have always been ready to defend, to serve, and to honor those who defended and are defending all of us. So this month, the freeze-dry guy honors and serves Americans with our meat, rice, and potato sale. Our unit includes four number 10 cans of quality Mountain House cooked diced beef, ground beef, diced chicken, white rice, and two cans of FDG dehydrated diced potatoes. 158 servings per case unit. And during the freeze-dry guy's meat, rice, and potato sale, get one case for only one Seventy-nine, two cases for only three fifty-five, or get three cases for only five fifteen, and all come with lots of valuable freebies. For details, click freezedryguy.com and hurry. Sale ends soon. Go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. That's 866-404-FOOD. Plus, free shipping to the lower 48 states from the freeze-dry guy. The finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just 19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV 
There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more, more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. But in addition to focusing on the fact that the hardware doesn't keep up with Apple, yes, in theory, the processor should be faster on the Galaxy s5 but the iphone 5s is faster and now there's a story at apple insider here that a company has delayed an ios to android port of an app because the gyroscopes on many of these android phones doesn't work what are we talking about here so gyroscopes and digital compasses are, are little tiny sensors that they we've been putting on phones for four or five years now the first compasses came out in 2009 and you know iphone 4 was the first device with a gyroscope in it which before that gyroscopes were in things like motion controllers on like playstation controls things like that so it's this novel idea of here you have this this device in your phone that can sense where it's at in space and how it moves in along six different axes and also its relation to gravity and if you tie in a compass you can tell where it is based on north so you can do a lot of cool things like the app where you hold it up and look at the sky and it uses augmented reality to tell you, oh, that's Orion and here's where the moon's going to be at six o'clock. And all these really complicated, super interesting things that you can only do because every phone now has that in it. And on Android, the problem is that there's so much device hardware fragmentation that in some cases they don't have a, they don't actually have the sensors on there. Sometimes they, they fake them. So they just present data based on some of the other sensors to try to fake that they have a gyroscope. In some cases, the gyroscope just doesn't work properly. What works differently, it delivers different kind of information or a different type of accuracy. So obviously, it's going to be much harder to develop applications for a platform where the devices are anything. You know, it could be anything. It's the same thing between, you know, Macs and PCs. You know, PC could be anything because it could be made by any company. It could have any component in it. And that component, could, you know, have a problem, have a software issue. So th this particular story uh, is referring to a, a relatively small app developer that makes games. And one of the games that they developed was this kind of novel um, little $4 app where two people hold the phone and kind of guide it through a series of puzzles while they're dancing. And what they ran into after they developed the iOS version, which they just kind of recently launched, they're trying to release an Android version as well. And what they found was that 
it wasn't just all the Android devices, some of them, you know, some of the low tier stuff is junk. Well, yeah, we know that. They're saying that higher tier products, things like the Galaxy S4, were just not working correctly. And so they couldn't launch their app. And it was kind of interesting, the response to the developer posting this thing, because they weren't saying, oh, yeah, Android's crap. They were saying, we're, we're running through this problem. We're trying to release it in such a way that people with a functional gyroscope on their Android device can use this app. We're trying to make a whitelist. Well, Google Play doesn't have a, a category where you can say, I have a phone with a gyroscope that works. I'd like to buy this app. So they're, they're trying to ask the Android community for help in identifying which phones work and which don't. And their response from Android fans was to attack them for, you know, why don't you just, you know, provide a free demo? And they're saying, well, if we provide a free demo, it's not going to work. And a lot of people are going to give it one star ratings and say how terrible our game is even though it's the fault of these products. And that's a problem too. You know, a software company could say, hey, our product doesn't work because the hardware or the operating system or a combination of both in this phone is faulty. And people will say, that's not our problem. It works fine. It's obviously your product that's faulty. Yeah, and anybody from kind of the Mac world understands that there's a lot of problems that can happen in software. You can have, you know, Adobe release something and it will have like little bugs or it'll have like some weird interaction with this other problem. Or even sometimes, you know, Apple will release a new version of OS X and it'll cause some issue with an application. They'll have to fix that. Well, I mean, that's in a a very known situation where you're running on a very specific type of hardware that it's all built to the same standard, has kind of the same types of components. There's like moderate variety, but very little variety among Apple's products. And it's sort of known what's out there. If you compare that to the Windows model where anything can be a PC, people can build their own PC out of just the junkiest junk that can be bought out of China. And it all works differently. It all has different drivers. Some of it has known bugs and some of it has unknown bugs. And it's a much rougher situation. Well, in the, wor- in the mobile world, that the importance of integration is incredibly far higher because it isn't just a box sitting under your desk that does simple functions, you have all these complicated sensors and, you know, everything working in tandem to where integration is far more important. And that's why Apple is doing much better with the iPhone than they ever did with the Mac. You know, the thing being understood here is that a computer we expect to have to fiddle with. That's part for the course, less so with the Mac. A mobile phone, though, even a tablet, it's supposed to be an appliance. We're supposed to be basically immune to these traditional problems it's abstracted away it should just be something you turn on and use you don't want to have to go through all that nonsense when you want to answer somebody's phone call but speaking of devices we have time for maybe a few more moments with daniel aaron dilger so i wanted to get to this before he leaves us and that is this week microsoft is making another stab at doing something with the surface this time It looks to be just one model or model lineup called the Surface 3, which is a bigger Surface, a little thicker, a little heavier, I guess. But the key is that it's designed not to be a tablet, but to be just another notebook replacement. They're going after the MacBook Air. I'm confused. Well, (laughs) if you look at what they can do, you know, Microsoft is aware of what they've sold. They know exactly that they didn't sell to consumers. They know that their remaining you know, fan base is enterprise companies that are willing to buy it no matter what. 
And so, you know, the smartest thing that Microsoft could do would be to double down on where it could possibly sell and not produce devices that are just like the iPad mini and things like the Nexus 7 that are being sold for so cheap that it's impossible to make any money in that business right now. So the long and short of it is, this is simply a Windows notebook made a little thinner, given tablet-like pretensions, but uses a stylus, I guess, rather than touch, or can you touch it too? Well, that's what Microsoft has been selling since, you know, Bill Gates decided that he invented the tablet 10 years after the Newton. I mean, that's always what he thought of was, let's make a PC that you can write on with with a stick. and that's what they've been trying to sell as tablet PC for the last 15 years almost. So basically the 2014 Surface 3 is really a 2001 Windows tablet with a few bells and whistles. Well, I mean, that's what they're comfortable doing. They're a PC company. They don't really understand that even the concept of post-PC because, you know, it's, it's kind of beyond them. So they have, I mean, that's, kind of the best thing they can do is to focus on what they know how to do. But I don't think there's a huge market for that. I know that there's specific markets. I've seen people in, you know, healthcare and things where they're working and they think that it's important to write on the tablet and have it, you know, it's, it's like a big Newton basically, but that's not where the mass market is quite obviously, because if it was, then surface would have taken off and iPads would have, people would have moved away from iPads. Making the surface larger, now a 12-inch instead of 10.6 inches, and changing the aspect ratio, I guess, a bit, so you get more horizontal space. Now, that's just a tiny shave and haircut, but if you couldn't sell the smaller device, how can you sell the larger? And look at the way the price is now. It starts at $799 with a smaller storage than the MacBook Air for $100 more. The top-line model is close to $2,000 plus a keyboard. So you're taking something here which is priced within the range of the MacBook Air, and if it's fully optioned, it costs about the same as the highest-end MacBook Pro with Retina Display, the 13-inch model. So where's the benefit of that? We'll get into more of this in our final segment with Daniel Aaron Dilger. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We are the premier independent talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. G-C-N. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com 
I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the Total Transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free. Limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. That's 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy byproducts from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even if I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months, simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. So, looking at the possible minuses of the Surface 3, and I'm in touch with Microsoft to see if we can get a review sample. I want to be honest about this. I want to be fair. I want to be objective as possible to give it and run it through its paces. But it seems to me here that just on price alone, it doesn't look so good. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that there's a huge market for, I mean, they're calling it a, a notebook replacement, but th- there are kind of two groups of people out there that use computers. And I'm kind of a, 
I'm kind of old. I'm getting old. So I, I tend to use my MacBook Air more than an iPad. And I see younger people that gravitate towards the iPads and using their phone. I mean, I use my phone all the time, but I, I kind of go from the phone to a full-on like familiar desktop environment where I have a lot of things going on and I can manage the complexity of it. There are some people that are older than me or younger than me that really like the, the simplicity of the tablet. To me, I find it a little, a little um, confining in functionality. But what Microsoft is offering with the Surface is kind of a hybrid of the two, which retains all the complexity of Windows, which, I mean, that's the whole point of the iPad, is that it isn't a complicated computer that you have to deal with all this crap. And so Microsoft is saying, okay, so we're going we're gonna to better the iPad by taking it, making it a little bigger, and then also adding all the, you know, the full Windows. That's not a plus, that's a minus. And in some cases, if you, if you have kind of more complicated needs, you do need like a full desktop environment, but you also want to have other things that make a, a desktop or a notebook useful, which is, you know, like a real keyboard, not a chiclet rubbery thing that lays over the top that costs another $150. It's 130 I mean, but I won't quibble over $20. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of expensive. And yeah, I don't, I don't see the value proposition. I mean, they keep talking about how it's the best of both. And they've talked about the best of both over and over and over again, but they haven't proven that that's what the market wants. Because over and over again, the market has not said that it wanted this hybrid tablet notebook kind of device. So unless, I mean, what I also I think what is interesting is that they didn't release not even their own office apps in a novel way, but they didn't release anything else. It says, this is the reason why you should use this new bit of hardware is that this cool app or some functionality that we've put on it that like totally changes how you're going to work. And if you look at every time Apple came out with a major generation of iPad, it said, here's, you know, here's our iWork for iPad on the first one. And the second one is here's GarageBand and iMovie. And they keep, you know, making those better. I was like, here's something you can actually do on this new hardware that we've developed. And there's advantages to it. Because here you can take and you can use GarageBand and, and use it in your garage while you're playing your instruments and you can record multiple people and you can, you know, do cool things that you couldn't really do as easily with a laptop. Super portable. All the ads for iPad are showing it being used on the field and doing all these things and that wouldn't really be practical with a a notebook. Well, the thing that I, bothers me also, Microsoft releases this new hardware which doesn't show a lot of development work because it's all just a refinement and or a change to the existing service. But there still isn't a pure Windows 8 version of Office. They're selling this saying, it comes with Office bundled on it. But it's not a fully touch-enabled Office. That's still to come. Yeah, it's not touch and it's not really stylus optimized. So yeah, what are they doing, Microsoft? I think part of the part of the situation is if you look at the Zoom, you know, they said, oh, we're not going to give up on this. And then shortly after that, they gave up on it um, because they just had no other way to move with that. With the service, I think it's harder for them to say, OK, we're just going to give up on this and let other people do stuff with it. Because with nobody it. else is making one. Well, par- yeah, partly it's no one else is really excited about it either. So they kind of have to you know, at least provide an example of what you could possibly do with Windows 8 if you wanted to use it. But um, at the same time, 
there's certain things that they can't do because that's what their OEMs are doing. So they can't come out with a netbook like Aces because then they're going to stomp on top of Aces. And why would you partner with a company that's stomping on what you're trying to do with their platform? It's kind of like when, when Google came out with, you know, announced that they're going to buy Motorola and they lined up all the Android licenses to say, oh yeah, we support this. We love it. It's great. Of course they didn't, weren't excited about Google. They weren't excited about Google competing with them to make a smartphone that made theirs look bad. So it's a, it's a difficult thing to do. I mean, imagine if Apple was licensing out iOS to other companies. I mean, how could they, how could they compete with them and partner with them at the same time? That's a very difficult thing to do. Apple tried to clone. They tried to have a clone program back in the nineties and all they ended up doing was giving the crown jewels to third party companies at a reduced price. And those companies did everything they could to compete with Apple in their core markets that sure worked out and people are still saying apple needs to license yeah i mean they kind of did the same thing with newton too and that was a little it seemed to be a little bit better thought out in that they had for example you know they partnered with motorola to make a wireless version of the newton which you know kind of offered something that apple wasn't offering but it just wasn't a big enough market to have a number of different companies kind of fighting for attention of what was the the thing. And Palm did the same thing. You know, they licensed their stuff out to Sony and a couple other companies. And that's the big problem with licensing in this kind of Android sort of model, Android, Windows, whatever. Um, If you, there's, uh, diversity has both benefits and problems. If you have hardware fragmentation, how do you support that? Whose job is it? Is it the platform vendor is just going to support everything? So it becomes a very difficult thing to manage. And I haven't seen anyone do it really well, apart from this kind of era where Microsoft held really strict control over what other companies were doing. And they developed a product that they could sell cheaply. But well, there now was Microsoft is doing something else to attract developers. If you make a windows product with a screen less than nine inches there's no license fee anymore well yeah that's because nobody wants to use windows phone so they're hoping people will buy the phone then buy the apps and microsoft will make the money from their commission from the apps that's the only way to make money from it well there's no money there the i mean the, the other problem is yeah once you have if microsoft could sign up a bunch of developers or a bunch of oems to make windows phone stuff for free then how does Microsoft make, how do they ever start charging for that? And what's their model for continually updating Windows Phone so that it keeps getting better? What, what's the motivation? Apple's motivation is they're selling tons of hardware at huge profits. How do you do that if you're giving your software away to other companies? You're giving away that value. What, what's, what's the uh, financial motivation to make it better? A lot of people think that companies just exist to just make cool products. (laughs) That's not why they exist. You can't exist doing that for very long because you have to pay people to work for you. You have to be able to buy capital. You have to pay for production. You have to, all these expenses. If you're not making money, you are losing money. So you wonder how these secondary mobile handset companies exist. We know Samsung, even if there were no profits at all, in their mobile handset division, there are other divisions that make profits. But the, all these other companies, 
are selling these things for no profit whatever, or at a loss, and they must be living on fairy dust or something. Well, I think Samsung's business model is to kind of drive everybody else out of business, and then they own it. You know, they own the non-Apple business, and, you know, they can become the next Microsoft, or, you know, the Microsoft Windows platform, except they own the hardware, too. But the problem is that um, Samsung, you're, you're, Samsung Electronics has a lot of other businesses going on. They have their chip fabs and their displays, and they, they do all this stuff, and they're they're quite good at a lot of things. But their smartphone division is not really doing much else besides copying Apple. There's really nothing that they came out with. It's amazing. And people are saying, Oh, well, their, their newest phones don't even look like iPhones anymore. It's like, well, how hard is it to make a phone that doesn't look just like the iPhone? Just change the rounded corners, use plastic, use cheap plastic, have a larger screen right now. The big differentiator of a Samsung Galaxy is the larger screen, which may change when the next iPhone comes out. In any case, Daniel Aaron Dilger, please tell us where we can find more of your stuff. I write for uh, Apple Insider, and my stuff is on Twitter, Daniel Aaron. And I write occasionally on um, rephlydrafted.com. There you go. Daniel Aaron Dilger, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gene. America's largest independently owned communications network, GCN. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of HB extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit hbextract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com. The following hour is brought to you by MidasResources.com. 
Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We're joined by Rob Peguerero, who writes for USA Today and other places. And we're going to focus on that ever-confusing issue of net neutrality, which in theory is all about ISPs, for example, not having a slow lane and a fast lane. And now we're learning, according to the latest FCC proposal, that everyone is equal, but some people are more equal than others? Yes, indeed. So how do we define this? How do we define what the FCC is proposing? Because it doesn't make a lot of sense. Okay, well, there's a couple of ways to look at it. I would start with, first of all, the rules we have in effect right now are nothing. Uh, you know, years and years ago, the FCC classified internet providers as common carriers under Title II of the Telecommunications Act. So that, that has pretty strict requirements that you have to treat traffic equally without discrimination. Also, has a lot of technical stuff that's very relevant if you're running plain old telephone service, not so relevant if you're running an internet service. Then they classified them as information services, but tried to keep on applying basic net neutrality rules. The first attempt got struck down by a court in January. A second attempt also got struck down. So right now, there's really nothing in effect uh, besides like basic transparency requirements that, that the court let uh, stay in place. So the FCC, they have two choices here. They can try to find a different way to sort of back into the same loose regulatory regime they had before. Or what a lot of people want them to do is to flip all the way back to Title II, reclassify the internet providers, cable, DSL, fiber optic, whatever, as common carriers, not information services. You know, there, there's no argument about the, the legal justification for that. But I think the FCC wants to have a lot more backup from Congress, the White House, the public, or all three before they take that step. So you think this proposal is a trial balloon? To get people upset enough that they will ask for more power? Uh, I think the FCC, uh, I don't know if they quite thought that far ahead. You know, I, I have, I've not talked to Tom Wheeler in person, but from the, the statements I've seen him make and having seen him interviewed on stage, you know, I don't think he's in the pocket of the cable or wireless, although he did head both those prior trade associations. I think he's, he's trying to find a way to get this over with because this is an argument that's been going on, yeah, really since like 2002. And, you know, people talk about uncertainty. This is a huge source of uncertainty if you're trying to do a content-based startup that's going to use a lot of bandwidth. So, you know, if the FCC can get a set of rules out there that allow some sort of paid prioritization, but under circumstances where it's going to be pretty rare, it's something that only a, a company like a Netflix w would need or be uh, a target audience for it, maybe that would work. I mean, we are sort of running this experiment right now because there are no regulations in place at the moment beyond, you know, the, these limited transparency requirements I mentioned before. Now, I might have mentioned this to you the last time we talked, but I had a what is called a peering issue involving CenturyLink, which is the descendant of one of the original telecoms, Quest, and, yes. and also a company called Cogent, which is one of these providers that connects, say, from data centers to ISPs, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And their problem here is that each was accusing the other of sending or not making it possible to distribute enough traffic 
and they wouldn't provide more traffic. And I assume this is all a matter of one talking to the other and saying, we'll pay you this, you pay us that. Probably all about money and negotiations. Now, yes. as a result of which, I had miserable speeds to CenturyLink from my web server. Now, obviously, I'm not someone like Netflix who can walk in there and say, here's $100 million, fix it. You know, I can't give them 10 cents. Now, in the end, what the data center did was move the traffic through a different telecom provider, bypassing Cogent, and then the speeds returned to normal. But why should the individual put up with this crap? Right. I mean, the biggest problem, you're in sort of a, not an elite status, but sort of an unusual case because you're running a web server. Most of us don't even have that sort of level of insight. We just plug in the cable modem or the router and things work or they don't. And you're left wondering, in my case, I would love for somebody at Verizon to explain why last weekend Netflix was still unwatchable, even though they supposedly had a peering agreement negotiated with Verizon that should fix these problems. Yet at the same time, Amazon, perfect. Not an issue at all. Well, you almost get to think here that Netflix is forced to make deals with these ISPs. That's because if they said. go through the normal route, what they're doing is bypassing a cogent or a Tata communications or a level three. They're going direct to the ISP so you don't have this intermediary company who could mess things up. Is that part of it? That's part of it. And it's important to note that a lot of the net neutrality rules that have been proposed so far don't even sort of get into that level. It's more in terms of once the, the data gets to your internet provider, is it then sent down the wire from their servers to your home and stuff on the other side of that, you know, in a lot of ways you, you would be a step beyond what people were discussing as a key requirement of net neutrality only a few years ago. Well, at this point though, if the large companies like Netflix are still going to be compelled to go to the individual ISPs and hand them checks and give them direct pipes and maybe put servers in their facilities. Isn't that creating the have and have not situation? Say, instead of just running my web server, I want to put up two or three. I want to stream audio and video. I want to start a service. I get the contracts with people to send me the videos. But of course, I don't have $100 million in spare cash lying around to bribe these companies to stop throttling my server. Right. That's the correct way to look at it, I think, because a company like Netflix, they can take care of themselves if they, you know, they have enough subscribers, they can make a decent political stink. Of course, Although, they'll granted, raise the price by a dollar per subscriber to get more money from you to pay they Comcast also, or Verizon. They also have a lot of contracts to negotiate with Hollywood, a lot of movie and TV studios have been thinking we gave these guys too good of a deal. So we're going to have to get a lot more money out of them this time or this time around. Um, but yeah, the, the key thing is more the startups around if, you know, they are not sure that they're going to have these hangups. They don't have a lot of lobbyists on staff that they, they don't have hundreds of millions of users that they can ask, you know, ask them to march on Washington pitchforks in hand. And if you talk to, you know, investors and venture capitalists, that's, that's where their key worry is. No one's really too concerned about, you know, is Netflix going to survive? They'll be fine. It's the next Netflix or the next Hulu. Or Hulu is a bad example since it's owned by, <laughs> partially owned by the TV industry. But you get where I'm coming from. Well, I guess another way of doing that is just to charge these companies by traffic. So if you're only sending a thousand users, then you pay for a thousand users. If you have a million users, you pay for a million users. 
So if you have a fair fee per user, that would be just as reasonable for the small company as the large, wouldn't it? Right. But then you get into accounting issues. A lot of it, we're talking about data in such massive volumes, it's, it's a waste of time to bill by the byte if you're talking about a small startup. So who knows where this will go? So they have 120 days for this comment period, yep. after which we'll have to see how it changes. But we're still seeing the telecoms, the cable companies, and everything changing. So earlier this year, Comcast, the largest one, went after and bought Time Warner. Now, Time Warner Cable, by the way, I think has the worst customer service on the planet. Is that really true? I don't know. They're they're not one of their customers, but they don't seem too beloved by their customers. I know some of their customers who hate them with a passion. Of course, we all hate cable companies, I think. And now we have DirecTV being acquired by AT&T. Yes. All right. Now, we see, for example, with Comcast and Time Warner, these are cable companies that serve different regions of the country. So therefore, there's no competition. There's no city in which you get both. So therefore, if they join together, maybe it's not so bad. With DirecTV, we have AT&T, which has its own service, Uverse, which for, what, five and a half million people, delivers TV. So there is a bit of a conflict there. We'll go into that possible overlap in a moment. We have Rob Pegarero. He writes for USA Today and other places. And we're on the Tech Night Out Live. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic anytime. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. 
Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. Well, my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues no matter how serious or trivial. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1-855-340-SAVE. That's 1-855-340-7283 or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Results will vary from case to case. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of HB extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit hbextract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Rob Pegarero joining us this week. We're talking about AT&T buying DirecTV for something like $49 billion plus. But okay, there is this overlap in areas where there's U-verse. So what's going to happen with U-verse subscribers? They'll just have to put the satellite dishes up? I can't imagine that. I mean, what AT&T says they're going to do is they're going to take the savings that this merger, this purchase is going to provide, the, the synergy, i.e. firing lots of people, and use that money to expand the build out of fiber which they should do because I mean, DirecTV is good for TV-only service. For internet service, it's not really what you want to subscribe to unless there's no other broadband option around. So they have satellite internet too? Yes, where you have a big latency problem, it's expensive. There are data caps that are much more reminiscent of you know, wireless broadband than of traditional wired residential broadband. But here's what I don't get. So they're saying it's going to be, I think, $1.6 billion a year in savings once the merger kicks in. To get there, they're going to do a $49 billion purchase, 30% of which is going to be in cash, some of that backed by debt. So why not take what is a third of $50 million, that $15 billion plus, and use it to expand fiber right now? I mean, this is the logic AT&T used when they wanted to buy T-Mobile. They said, well, we'll be able to expand 4G LTE. Well, they, they I guess, provided the wrong documents to the FCC, and somebody said, you guys already plan to do that. You don't need the merger to do this. 
So I think they got to make that case. You know, what's the alternative here? Because you're right. It's a serious they're taking out a competitor. Uh, you know, let's not forget that it was, you know, until DirecTV came around, cable had no real alternative aside from really crummy over the analog reception. It was how you were going to get TV, period. Satellite came around and gave people a whole lot more choice and has been taking away market share from cable basically every year it's been around. So here, what do you know? We have a company that provides land-based multi-channel TV and wants to buy a satellite company. I'm not sold on this at all. Now, there was a story some months back that AT&T was going to roll out fiber in a lot of cities, rivaling this gigabit internet service from Google, for example, which is available, what, in a couple of cities now. Now, is that going to still continue? And how are they, are they going to build this out? Is it going to be in just the areas that are served by UVerse now? What are they going to do? And all this money they're wasting on on DirecTV, they could have spent that to roll out the services elsewhere. That's the point you made. Yeah, I think it was DSL Reports took a look at the announcement, and they said it was basically vaporware, that they weren't announcing anything that wasn't already on their long-term goals. And, you know, a lot of the, this attention, oh, who has gigabit fiber? Forget gigabit. A lot of people would love to have a good choice of two competitors for 10 megabits per second. Even 100 megabits per second is more data than a lot of us would know what to do with. So Google Fiber is great. One of my cousins lives in Kansas City, but he's not in a Google Fiber hood. I've told him, once Google hooks you up, I'm going to be uh, coming over for at least a week or two, you know, for research purposes. Yeah, gigabit is nice, but what would be really cool would be having a whole lot more people having access to just 10 megs, uh, 100 megs even better. Let's do that. Then we can figure out what to do with a gigabit. That would be nice. And where does that leave Charlie Ergen and Dish Network, which... I guess one time they tried to buy DirecTV. That didn't go so well. Yep, They've tried to buy that. Sprint, but SoftBank did better. So where does poor Dish Network end up here? Well, yeah, I, I don't think they can keep going just selling TV. I think that they've been a pretty innovative, disruptive company. I was their customer for many years, then cut the cord back in 2009. Yeah, they, they've made moves to buy Spectrum and sort of get into that business. And I think that's a good idea. Uh, I would like to see. You know, there's no reason that wireless broadband has to be this thing that is sold under tight data cap quotas for use on phones. You know, people have tried to make it go of just selling wireless broadband, period, uh, Clearwire, which I guess Sprint finally bought out. And no one's really gotten that to work on a large scale. Do you recall back in the 90s, Sprint had a wireless broadband service they were marketing in different cities? It didn't scale up very well, though. Are we talking uh, the, the WiMAX thing or? No, this was called, wait, I think, wait, Sprint wait. Broadband Direct or something. Oh, and I had it. You did? Was yeah. Was it any good? This was before Cox brought broadband to my home. This is back in the 90s. Yeah. Living in Scottsdale, Arizona. And it gave me really good download speeds. But as it got bigger, uploads got slower and slower. Uh, problem in your line of work. Right. And part of the problem, I guess, was scaling up. And they put this diamond-shaped, tiny dish on your roof. And driving around that area, I still see them, but I think it's a long time since that service was out. I'll look it up as we continue. But you barely heard of it, right? Now, I do remember hearing about that. And I maybe even wrote about it once, although it would have been like 22 at the time. It went offline officially in 2008. Okay, I didn't know it lasted that long at all. They stopped offering the service to new customers in 2001. 
started taking new subscribers again in 2005, according to this. Yeah. But I think it was a good idea at the time, although, once again, the technology couldn't scale up. Now, today, maybe there are better ways of doing that, but we haven't seen it yet. We saw what WiMAX was supposed to be something of that nature, but it hasn't happened. Is there a yep. way to do this wirelessly? Because then you don't have to worry about the fiber and digging up the streets and all that nonsense. I think if it's going to happen, the two things to watch for are things like white spaces wireless, which is unlicensed use of TV spectrum that's vacant in particular areas, but not nationwide. So you need adaptive devices that can decide which channels are open. And the incentive auction the FCC is running where they're offering TV stations a chance. You're not using all of your digital spectrum. Do you want to give up some of it? Do you want to share spectrum from an, with another TV station in town that isn't also isn't using all of its bandwidth either? Um, that's the option there, and we'll see how that goes because a lot of stations aren't so keen on it. It's not clear whether you're going to have as many participating, but it's a good idea that should be tried because there are lots of TV stations they they don't have their second or third digital channels; they just have the one, and so that's a whole lot of spectrum that's uh, laying fallow. Okay, how likely is that to happen? Well, check back in a couple of years. You know, first you have the auction where TV stations can say, let me see what I can get for this chunk of the airwaves. And then you have the other side of it where you have other bidders say, if we could get this chunk of the airwaves, here's what we might bid. And then these two get sort of mashed up and sent into this complicated auction machine. And at the end of it, hopefully you get good new wireless broadband service. Well, if the technology can get me even a couple of hundred megabits wirelessly, no cable, just sticking some kind of antenna up in my roof or outside the window or something, I think a lot of us would buy that in a heartbeat if the prices were competitive. Right. That's another if. Lots of ifs there. And again, how does it scale up? What kind of volume can you handle? Would it be better in deploying to rural areas where right now there are a lot of people who don't get really good broadband service. Maybe they have to subscribe to satellite, which has its own issues. As a friend of mine who lives in England can attest. Mm. Rob Pegarero from USA Today and other places joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. independent-minded the genesis communications network gcn graphic converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us it does not use any database you get full control of all your files want to view the images of a folder drag it into graphic converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files you could use it for slideshows you could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners need to do some image editing you can do that too in graphic converter also print catalogs convert from so many 
formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Americans have always been ready to defend, to serve, and to honor those who defended and are defending all of us. So this month, the Freeze-Dry Guy honors and serves Americans with our meat, rice, and potato sale. Our unit includes four number 10 cans of quality Mountain House cooked diced beef, ground beef, diced chicken, white rice, and two cans of FDG dehydrated diced potatoes. 158 servings per case unit. And during the Freeze-Dry Guy's meat, rice, and potato sale, get one case for only one 79, two cases for only $3.55, or get three cases for only $5.15, and all come with lots of valuable freebies. For details, click freezedryguy.com and hurry. Sale ends soon. Go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. That's 866-404-FOOD. Plus, free shipping to the lower 48 states from the Freeze-Dry Guy. The finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Springtime is save big time at Herbal Healer Academy. Long-term customers know spring is the time to stock up at HerbalHealer.com. And for new customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Log on for spring specials, including our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale. Choose from Herbal Healer's great variety of weight loss products like apple cider vinegar, Hootia and Metabolic Complex, and ProMetabolic, all on sale now. Also, the Anti-Parasite Intestinal Freedom and Warwood Plus Complex, plus Stevia Liquid Sweetener and the Super Enzymes, all on sale for spring at HerbalHealer.com. As always, we offer certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on now to HerbalHealer.com and click on Spring Specials to save big with our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. On the Tech Night Out Live, we have Rob Pegarero, tech commentator, journalist, joining us. We're going to move from 
AT&T and DirecTV and other stuff to something that you call in your talking points the right to be forgotten. Is that related to this European Union thing about Google search results? Totally. This is what I covered in my Yahoo Tech column uh, Tuesday. Uh, This court, they took a look at a case where a Spanish citizen, he had had uh, part of some housing basically auctioned off by the government to cover some debts, I guess, social security or tax debts. And for the longest time, he'd Google himself, and that would be the one result that came up because this newspaper in Barcelona had published it, part of the newspapers all the world published legal notices that the government sends them. He didn't like it. And so he petitioned to uh, the Spanish Data Protection Authority asking that both the newspaper and Google remove this listing. The, the Spanish authority said, well, we can't fault the newspaper. The government paid them to run it because they wanted to have the biggest possible audience so more people would bid on it and they get their money back. But they said, oh, Google, we determined that because you're not just, you know, the very act of indexing the web and making it searchable counts as processing data. And there are different regulatory requirements there. Therefore, you know, we have to look at how does search make it different it's one thing to go to one site at a time and piece together this portrait of somebody as if you're a private investigator. It's another to Google their name. And so they decided, well, in that case, this is different. Citizens should have a right to ask a search engine to remove links that are shown in response to a search for their name. You know, if you'd search for like bankrupt in Barcelona and his name came up, that would be okay under this, this ruling, as I understand it. Um, and if the search engine doesn't do anything, then you can complain to the authorities and they can make the search engine do that. Okay. So the question I have here is this is in Europe. Is this going to be the way it is from now on there? What are the parameters here? Does that mean that anybody with a negative item in a search engine and not just Google say Bing or Yahoo can say, get rid of it. Or is it an aging issue? How old is it? Maybe you were bankrupt 10 years ago. Why should that impact what you do now? That's where I have a problem with this court's ruling, because it's hopelessly vague. It suggests that your case as an, as an EU citizen is strongest if you're looking at information that is inaccurate, no longer relevant, uh, just out of proportion, which, to be fair, the search engine, if it's doing its job, shouldn't be showing information that is inaccurate or relevant or out of date. I don't care about that. Tell me what I actually need to know about the subject I'm researching. You know, I don't think we want to legislate quality. Uh, the other problem is they, they have this really vague exception carved out for people who are in public life where there might be a public interest in knowing this information. Well, how do you decide who's in public life? I had this whole graph speculating about this in, in the story. Is it what if you've been elected? What if you've run for office? What if you have a C-suite job in a publicly traded company? What if you have a Wikipedia entry? If you have more than uh, a five-digit number of Twitter followers? What, for example, if you have a weekly radio show or maybe two of them? Right, exactly. And the fun thing you get with is, what if, you know, you're an idiot just out of college and in your late 20s, you successfully petitioned Google, you know, get this crazy stuff I did. It's no longer relevant. Then you run for office. So in that case, should Google put that information back online? Because I might want to know about this stuff. I don't know. It seems that uh, I wrote that it's basically a, uh, a right to endless argument over how you do, how you define these things and how you you arbitrate this. The most interesting suggestion I saw to come out of this was a piece in uh, on Wired's UK site saying, you know, maybe what you really need is a right to reply, where you would somehow be able to petition Google to say, will you please show this sentence of explanation next to this that people can click on? 
But I think know. that's actually a very good idea. Right. I think it should have your point of view. Now, as I understand here, obviously, I have one radio show of the two that tends to be polarizing the people, the paranormal show. Lots right. of pros and cons and people hate us, people love us. So I assure you, if you look me up on Google, you'll find people who hate me. That goes with the territory. Now, if they do something that is defamation, I guess I have the right to sue, except maybe I'm a public figure. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, in the U.S., the thresholds are much higher, and it's really hard to prove libel if you're a public figure, which those of us in the journalism business appreciate. The other thing I was going to say is, you know, in theory, we already have that right to reply. If you post something online or, you know, get someone to sort of testify on your behalf, a good search engine should pick up on that fact and say, hey, this is more relevant. It's more recent information. This should rank higher. Um, and what gets neglected a lot in these discussions, it's not as if Google search is this algorithmically pure creation that men and women in white coats stand back from and let it do its thing. They tinker with it all the time. Just this week, they've rolled out some new update where they're trying to sort of promote high quality content as they judge it. It's an editorial decision. So it's fair to debate, is Google showing, doing a good job? But, you know, legislating that gets really tricky. Well, the other thing is here, say you go to the site that has negative information. Maybe it's somebody's user forum or a blog, and you post a response. In doing so, you may get your point of view across, but you also, by doing that, generate more traffic for the original site. So it's a double-edged sword. Right. One thing that the EU decision doesn't say anything about, it's never even mentioned, is social media, where all kinds of crazy stuff can go run around on Facebook on local forums like topics. And yeah, that's that's not Google promoting that stuff. That's just people talking smack about each other. Yeah, there are real problems here, and I, I am very much sympathetic to people in them. But I think asking, saying this is Google's problem to solve, or my client Yahoo's problem to solve, I, I don't know how far that's going to go at all. What about these companies who advertise online or on radio and TV that they will somehow fix your online reputation is that a scam or is that real i mean it's possible it's the whole it's what is crisis pr i would put it this way you can what people see of you online does not have to consist of what other people say but unfortunately right now self-help is the best remedy you have and that means you have to think like your own marketing person your your own publicist you know what is going to be sort of out there if people you know, you may not like Google Plus, but at least having a Google Plus page where you list your basic info, that's one way to, certainly if you post something attached to that, Google will see, ah, this is relevant to this person. This is from this person. And maybe that's not the way to go. Maybe you'd rather have a LinkedIn page that documents, this is what I've done in my life. That should also rank highly because that's a known site. And there's a sense of identity there. Uh, but as far as, you know, cleaning up stuff, the worst case example is these mugshot sites where they, they scrape mugshots that are publicly available data. And for a while, Google was ranking them highly. And somebody at uh, a writer for a search engine land noticed and said, hey, Google, this is nonsense. By your own rules, this is scraped, repurposed content. This should not be ranking as highly as it is. They changed their algorithm. A lot of these sites dropped off the first page of results, which is the death penalty of Google search. Uh, some payment processors stopped doing business with them as well. Uh, and the whole business model of them was you would see your, your face and your name there and they'd say, pay us $200. We'll make it go away. But it never goes away. It just, you know, it's, it's like 
emailing a spammer to ask if they please leave you alone. All you've done is prove that you, you read their email. Well, I'm on the do not call registry for my various phone numbers, but I still get telemarketing calls. And yep. what do you do? You go to the FTC and you complain against this company, but usually the number you see in your caller ID window is faked. So how do you know who really called you? Right. I would say do it anyways, because, you know, the, there are definitely ways they can trace this back. They, they you know, I'm on their PR list and they, they send notice about we've cracked out on this person and that person, which reminds me, I actually need to file a complaint about this jerk who called my cell phone number a few weeks ago, which should definitely not be happening. And I just forgot about doing it. See, I'm part of the problem. <laughs> I should be speaking up and I'm not. Well, I have a feature on my phone. I use a internet phone service called Voipo. And by dialing star two seven, the previous number is put on a blacklist. Whoever called oh. me, whatever that number is, immediately thereafter, star two seven puts them on the block list. And of course, an Android and iOS phones, you can set up a block list. We have Rob Pegarero, who will never block. Mm-hmm. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. I'm a very bad man. And today I watched you leave for work. Then I kicked your door and took your stuff. Without a door devil reinforcing your door frame, it was like you invited me. Don't worry, I'll check back in a couple weeks. Once you've got new stuff. <laughs> Door Devils are available at participating Ace Hardware stores and locksmiths. Or visit DoorDevil.com. Henry Ford once said, a man who stops advertising to save money is like a man who stops a clock to save time. Alex Castle here, the National Account Executive at GCN. I have the ability to customize a national radio campaign based on your budget while targeting your demographic. Contact me to find out how national radio can help your business be more profitable at 877-996-4327, extension 177. That's 877-996-4327, extension 177, and help me help you bring your business to the next level. 
This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right, General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right, that's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. I'm Kay Swirling from KSCO Radio in Santa Cruz. I'm 93 years old, and I'm a big fan of Alex Jones because he has the courage to speak his mind more than just about anyone I know. Alex is just as bothered as I am about all the advertising you hear for toxic prescription drugs that make you sicker, not healthy. I prefer to give my body all 90 essential nutrients it needs for life to prevent disease, not compound it. My favorite complete supplement is Beyond Tangy Tangerine from Longevity, which I take every day along with EFA Plus and Beyond OsteoFX. I recommend you go online to InfoWarsTeam.com to purchase these products and make them part of your daily regimen to get healthy and live longer. InfoWarsTeam.com You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Rob Pegarero. You see him in USA Today. You see him at Yahoo. You see him or hear him everywhere. He's ever-present. He's omnipresent. Mm -hmm. And his ratings on Google are very high. So he doesn't need a reputation fixer upper place. All right. So they say that if you don't want a story to get a lot of publicity, release it late Friday afternoon so people going home for the weekend, they don't care about it. I don't know about this one, but last Friday comes a story that Apple and Google will no longer be suing each other. But most of this is because Google is selling Motorola Mobility, right? That whole story has not been told. To me, this sort of shows the pointlessness of the patent system as it exists. You have Apple alleging they stole ideas. We're going to go get them. And then years later, eh, never mind. I mean, there's no cross-licensing, no money-changing hands. They basically admitted this was a colossal waste of time. Well, maybe Apple could have spent the money they paid to various law firms on getting iMessage to not hijack people's phone numbers when they switched from an iPhone to some other phone. Just a thought. Well, they allegedly fixed the server-side problem, and they promised an iOS update to fix that. This is interesting here. Now, I had an iPhone. Then for seven months, I used Android phones. Then went back to an iPhone. And with one or two people, I try to send them a text message, and they never seem to get it. I get their message, but they don't get mine. So in my case, though, I wouldn't fit in the profile because I went from iPhone to Android, back to iOS. I can't explain it. Yeah, I mean, because it exists. I, I've 
know of multiple friends that have had this problem. And, and one of them, he, he mentioned this immediately after switching from an iPhone to a Nexus 5. I said, wait a minute, put that SIM card back in your iPhone, turn off iMessage. He did what he was supposed to do, and he still has messages going to purgatory. Well, in this case, it's my landlord who doesn't get my messages. And of course, he wants to know where the rent is this month. <laughs> I'll hear from him if he has a question well, don't about Don't pay your something. rent by iMessage, whatever you do. <laughs> but in that case, I'll just call him. That's how it goes. Right. All right, let's get back to Apple and Google. Now, the thing about Motorola Mobility, most of their patents were industry standard patents. Yep. Weren't they? So it's not as if there's an exclusive invention they want to protect. It is, we have this invention, you pay us, we're happy to give you the license. Yeah. So some people believe that this would lead Apple and Samsung to settle their stuff. But what's happened here is there was a report earlier this week in the Korea Times, Apple and Samsung sitting together to talk. The next day, no talks because it's Apple's fault. Now we figure a newspaper, a publication in South Korea will probably favor Samsung. They might but, have better sources next door. That's certainly <sighs> possible. All right. But there was also this filing before Judge Coe's court in Northern California saying Apple and Samsung tried earlier in May to reach a settlement. Didn't work. So the key is here, as far as lawsuits go, this is the remaining one over Android and iOS since Apple and Google are not suing each other anymore. How does this ever end? I know Samsung is known to do this sort of thing where they might copy something and they'll play it out in the courts for as long as it's worth. But when is it worth giving up for Samsung? Well, I don't know. I mean, so far they've had a pretty good track record that that first billion plus dollar verdict was chopped down a lot and they're appealing it as well. And when there's that much money at stake, it is cheaper to drag things out through the courts. Second time around, Apple got about 5% of the $2.2 billion they sought. Samsung got some token amount of money back, but they can say, hey, look, you guys do it too. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's certainly keeping a whole lot of lawyers busy. It's, it's providing uh, grist for guys like you and me, I guess. Uh, I think <laughs> I would not be surprised to see even the, the 2012 case still up in the air a year from now, maybe two. Yet, after all this time, Samsung hasn't paid Apple anything. Apple hasn't paid Samsung anything, although I think they owe them 158000 or something like that. No, I'm sure Apple will pay that with an armored truck loaded with pennies. Well, that would be a nice idea. And yeah. Samsung is still selling smartphones. Yep. They're still making decent profits from the more expensive smartphones, not so much from the cheaper ones. So nothing has changed except a lot of thousand dollar an hour lawyers are just uproariously happy. Right. Well, maybe not. They might want to see their kids at some point. Or maybe not. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing, the, the spectacle of Apple trying to get phones taken off the market, that just stop. There's no point in even asking for an injunction because by the time you get it, the phone's already vanished from the market. So let's just give up on trying to make that part of your patent warfare strategy. It doesn't work. So what does Apple do? Is there an end game? I mean, obviously they're following through with what Steve Jobs said. Thermonuclear war because Android's a stolen product. I don't think Jobs was correct in that, that strategy. He, he may have been right to feel aggrieved, but, you know, look, <laughs> good artists copy, great artists steal. There's a long history of 
people borrowing each other's innovations. Apple got some great ideas off Xerox Park. Microsoft shipped a version of Windows that obviously owed a lot of intellectual debt to, to the original Mac system. Uh, if you're going to try to monetize every good idea in the business, you will never get done with the litigation. Now, just to mention this parenthetically, the United States Senate supposedly shelved a bill that would be addressed towards so-called patent trolls, where these companies buy a bunch of patents. They never build anything, but they look around for a company that has technology that may, in theory, infringe and try to extort money from them. Yeah, I have a big problem with what the Senate failed to do. This is, a, this is an enormous issue. The patent system, when it's used in this way, when you have a patent assertion entity that doesn't make anything, that bought the patents from the people who actually came up with the alleged invention, sends demand letters to various companies where the settlement is priced to be below the cost of litigation. They don't have to say what the actual offense is. They don't have to reveal who owns them, how many different shell companies lead back to the person pulling the strings. That looks to me like legalized racketeering. There should be no controversy over doing something about it. And apparently, the coverage I've seen in National Journal and the Washington Post is that Harry Reid leaned on Senator Leahy of Vermont to stall this bill, which I got a real problem with the uh, majority leader. This is, not, this is not helping entrepreneurs. It's not helping the little guy. And if you know the, the National Journal story named a particular, I guess, uh, Biotech companies, they have a lot more invested in patents, but what they do isn't really targeted by this. Universities, I would like to make the point that publicly owned universities should not be in the business of selling. I don't want them spending my tax dollars to get into the patent troll business themselves. And trial lawyers, uh, look, man, this is not all about you. All right. So that would have been a good idea. And also, it looks like Apple and Google agreed as part of this settlement, not to sue each other, to work together towards patent reform. And we know right. what they're talking about. And that was it. Yeah, it's frustrating here that there, there is no one I'm aware of in the tech industry, electronics, gadgets, software, internet services, who thinks that the patent system is working fine. You know, in the legal community, you have to look pretty hard to find somebody who thinks, oh, this is all all right. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, there are people who will make that case. There's a professor at George Mason University I've talked to on a panel once or twice who says, if you look at this historically, it's not unprecedented. Uh, I don't think that means we should regard this as a good set of circumstances where the patent system is living up to its constitutional job of promoting the progress of science and useful arts. We've got to wrap it up here, Rob. Rob yes. Pegarero, where can we find more of your stuff? You can look me up at robpegarero.com. I write a policy column at Yahoo Tech, yahoo.com slash tech. That runs every Tuesday. I write a Q&A column for USA Today's website. That's every Sunday at usatoday.com. And I'm on Twitter as at Rob Pegarero. You can find us on Twitter also. We're known as Tech Night Owl. We are Tech Night Owl at Twitter. And you can also go to our web portal, technightowl.com, to check out my daily cutting-edge commentary blogs and forums and lots more. And we have another radio show about UFOs and wacky stuff that goes bump in the night. And this week, we'll be talking about the infamous Rendlesham Forest UFO encounter with Nick Pope, who headed a division that studied UFOs for the Ministry of Defense in the UK at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. Here on the Tech Night Owl Live, Rob Pegarero, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. 
The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.